0: It's time for you and your moolah. Yes, our monthly program called You and Your Money. Today, I'm joined by Lawrence Hale, Principal Managing Partner and Chief Investment Officer at Weiss Hale & Zahansky Strategic Wealth Advisors. Lawrence, welcome
1: back to the show. Thanks, Wayne. It's always great to be here.
0: In today's episode, we're diving into the subject that has been causing ripples in the financial world, the rising interest rates and their impact, and there was news on that just yesterday. But before we discuss that, give us our usual start to the program, the latest news from the financial markets.
1: Well, the markets are definitely digesting uh, the fact that the Fed did not raise rates yesterday, um, and some performance figures through the end of last week, which Uh, after yesterday, or or actually a little bit higher. Uh, Definitely some uneven performance in the equity or stock markets, with the S&P 500 uh, posting through the end of Friday up 8.66%. Big difference uh, compared to the Dow, the Dow Jones Industrial Average down actually 0.5%. And uh, big difference between growth and value. Those are two different Investment strategies when you're looking at buying stocks, uh, the Russell 1000 growth up a whopping 21 percent year to date, whereas value, uh, the kind of the winning strategy last year out of the two, uh, actually down 3.66 and international markets with the MSCI EFA up about 3 percent. You know, the the uh, when you talk with someone about how their portfolio is doing and the fact that, you know, they've had a good year or a bad year or somewhere in between in, in stock performance. It really, really makes a difference if you're diverse and or uh, what you own, because there has not been even performance. Um, broadening that out a little bit, bonds down about two and a half percent, despite the, the higher rate environment uh, through the end of Friday. Uh, as the uh, U.S. Bloomberg Aggregate Index, and to give you some perspective on some other rates that the consumers are used to uh, looking at um, nationally, a CD rate, six-month CD rate, is about 2.19 percent versus a, a Treasury uh, at uh, a two-year Treasury over 5 percent. And those of you that are borrowing money on the on the individual side, a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage, the national average is about 7.9 percent. And the prime rate, which is a rate that is usually a, a base rate for a lot of uh, commercial lending and so forth, is, a, is all the way up to 8.5%. So we're going to be talking about rates. Uh, that gives a, some people a little perspective on where rates actually sit right now.
0: Lawrence, with all the spikes in the interest rate there's been in the last year or two, for the Fed to keep the rate unchanged, did that surprise you yesterday?
1: Not necessarily. You know, we were anticipating at least a pause. Um, There's definitely some question whether or not rates will be raised uh, one, uh, possibly two more times uh, during this rate hiking cycle. A lot of it depends on uh, inflation, which we'll we'll be talking about more. And, uh, you know, how the economy is doing, you know, the the dual mandates the Fed has is full employment and, and keeping inflation under control, and I think they're feeling a little bit more comfortable with where inflation is. You know, it's trending down. Uh, and, you know, the economy and particularly uh, employment is actually good. So um, we're not surprised, uh, I, but I think their rhetoric, their, you know, their tone is going to continue to be a bit hawkish, a bit aggressive to make sure that uh, inflation gets under control.
0: And extending that to the future, the Fed Chair Jerome Powell yesterday hedged on the possible end of a tightening campaign. Do you anticipate going forward that this might be a sign of the future that we keep things stationary and not more spikes?
1: I think they can do a lot with just the the language that they use and and keeping people guessing whether or not they're going to raise rates or not uh, is going to keep people cautious. And you know, part of the rationale with raising rates is the fact that that will slow the economy down and, and tamp uh, inflation uh, pressures. And, you know, they want to make sure they've got a good handle on that. We've, we've been through sort of a wild ride uh, when it comes to inflation and rates and the economy in general over the last three to four years. And uh, I, I think, it, you know, the Fed is, is uh, sort of hell bent on, on making sure inflation is, is tame, People
0: that aren't borrowing or buying, when they hear this news about the Fed increasing rates, or yesterday's news about not increasing the rate, how does that affect the average guy on the street? Is it a big deal for average Joe?
1: It is. You know, it. it, You know, the upward trend uh, definitely is directed anything from fixed income products causing rates to surge across the board. You know, you think banks. uh, If you're an investor or a saver. Uh, In particular, they're now offering consumers notably higher interest rates, which is beneficial for for those uh, individuals. But that's definitely made it more challenging for borrowers. So those rates, you know, mortgage rates, prime rate, uh, those are are difficult uh, for those needing to borrow money, whether they're buying a house, a car or financing a business.
0: Well, our main topic today does center around the news that came out yesterday, and as the Fed has been making news lately with that, the pros and cons of rising interest rates and Lawrence's take on what may be coming next. So this rise in interest rates in recent years has been remarkable. Could you just elaborate on how the surge has impacted various financial products and sectors?
1: Yeah, you know, to go back to some of the the figures I posted, you know, looking at a 30-year fixed rate mortgage uh, if you look at where a 30-year fixed rate mortgage rate was back in October of 2020, so about three years ago, it was around 3%. Um, you know, we used to use some some uh, kind of loose terminology that, that money was nearly free uh, a few years ago. You think back to where we were in the economy and, and the, the pandemics going on, uh, and now we're at uh, 7.9% on a 30-year fixed rate mortgage prime Today, uh, now it's 8.5%. So a really big difference in environment. Um, On the flip side, when you look at uh, savers or people who are looking to uh, earn interest on their money and and keep their money relatively conservatively invested, a two-year treasury was yielding 0.16%, that's 0.16% three years ago. Uh, Today, it's yielding a little over 5%. And a 10 year treasury was yielding under 1% at, at 0.79. And today it's, it's around 4.8%. So, a really a big difference. Uh, and it depends on which side of the uh, spending or excuse me, borrowing or saving uh, equation you're on. So, a, a different environment uh, entirely than three years ago.
0: Lawrence said, Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky, you've made strategic moves in response to the Fed's rate hikes. Of course, they didn't raise it yesterday. Could you share some insights on how your firm has adjusted portfolios in anticipation of rising rates?
1: Uh, Certainly, Wayne. You know, anticipating the rise in rates, which was, you know, well-signaled early last year, uh, we made some significant moves. Uh, earlier this year, reducing our REIT or real estate investment uh, trust exposure and reallocated those funds towards small and mid size uh, or mid-cap stocks. This this strategic shift aimed at at really adding diversity to portfolios and and looking to enhance overall returns, given some valuations in those sectors. And currently, we're really uh, you know focused and laser focused on on monitoring the environment and seeking opportunities to potentially expand our portfolios, bond exposure, especially in investment-grade corporate and mortgage-backed bonds.
0: Lawrence, what factor was the pandemic for the current interest rate scenario?
1: Well, you know, it really played a huge part in uh, impacting rates and and kind of led us to where we are today. So if you think about what happened during the early stages of the pandemic, uh, there was a very swift response, uh, including drastic cuts to interest rates by the Fed Ah, uh, to stimulate economic growth, uh, there were also substantial financial supports uh, from the government by injecting funds into business and individuals. You know, think about those stimulus checks. And that fueled a rapid rebound of the US economy, which was really positive at the time, given what was going on. But the the rebound also brought its challenges such as increased demand, su- supply chain disruptions. Think about you can't get toilet paper, can't get uh, you know a new car. Uh, and ultimately, that, that leads to inflationary pressures when you've got uh, increased demand, decreased supply.
0: Yes, inflation has been a major concern. So how has the Federal Reserve responded to these inflationary pressures, and how has that impacted interest rates?
1: Well, they've used the, the sledgehammer approach, which is a an, an main tool, which is raising interest rates. Um, and they've done that by raising the federal funds rate, which is a, a pivotal tool in influencing interest rates overall. Uh, and the rate was elevated from nearly zero in 2020 to its current uh, space of, of just over three, per, uh, excuse me, uh, just over five percent. And as a result, inflation, as measured by the CPI, has shown significant signs of decline uh, going from a high of nine down to uh, you know, just north of three uh, about, uh, over the course of a year. And the Federal Reserve aims to maintain an inflation target of around 2 percent. So their actions are really closely watched by investors. Uh, And uh, what you were talking about earlier with with what the Fed did or didn't do yesterday uh, is worrying about what the Fed is going to do with interest rates going forward.
0: Lawrence, let me pull this one out of left field because I know you'll have some thought about it. But this inflation problem that we've all noticed, go to the supermarket or other places and prices are up. But it's not just a USA problem. It's a worldwide problem. Inflation is happening globally. So we've got the Fed to try to control that. They raise interest rates. What happens to the rest of the world? How do those countries control or try to control inflation?
1: Most countries have some sort of central bank authority and they have similar tools uh, to uh, you know combat inflation. Uh, there are obviously countries where, you know, depending on the size of their economy and the ability of uh, kind of the believability of their government um, and the value of their currency relative mostly to the U.S. dollar, at least a, a basket of, of international currencies, you know, they have varying degrees of uh, ability to control uh, but then you have other factors. I mean, you think about something that has sort of resulted uh, partially because of the pandemic, partially because of uh, the various geopolitical uh, challenges in the world, uh, uh, something we're referring to as deglobalization. You know, we've been in a phase for many, many years of, of globalization. You know, you you buy something at the store and it may be have been parts made all over the world. Um, that isn't necessarily the case anymore because we saw some of the the uh, risks to that during the pandemic. And we've also seen some of the risks if you have uh, international relations with certain countries that are a bit challenged and and wanting to, uh, you know, not have that uh, particularly critical uh, component or part or technology uh, manufactured elsewhere. So uh, the deglobalization is is also contributing to some inflationary pressures.
0: I'll admit, I hadn't really given that much thought until just now when I threw out that question. But along the same lines, here we've got, the 50 U.S. states and whatever territories we have, and the Fed is in charge of that. But you just take Europe, for example. It isn't like they've got one central body like the Fed that increases rates or keeps rates steady. I know they're in the Euro Union over there, but by the same token, if Spain does it and France doesn't, doesn't that have some sort of a, a degree of instability in the markets?
1: They, do, You know, since they're on one currency, they actually do have a central bank authority. However, the EU is, you know, they've got various levels of membership. You look at, at, at uh, the UK, they're not in the EU. Uh, they've definitely stepped away from that. So it does create different environments across the countries in Europe. Um, you know, you look at uh, an area of the world that is almost always, some country is under some, some significant pressure down in South and Central America. And a lot of that has to do with the instability of the, of the government. And, and, uh, you know, you look at, at how some countries have had these hyperinflationary environments, but, you know, the tools to, to combat this are, are varied and, you know, imperfect, uh, definitely. Um, and you know, the, 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 I guess the positive thing in the U S is we do have a central bank. They are very much, uh, have a hand in markets uh particularly the the uh, fixed income market and you know you have a government that as dysfunctional as, as people may think it it may be uh, is is able to you know institute policy and we've been in an environment where they've been willing to spend to support the economy and 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 provide some stimulation which we'll we'll talk a little bit more about as well. Well,
0: I won't bother you by asking about who controls interest rates in Antarctica. But, yeah, you sure have your finger on the pulse of what's going on here with the pros and cons of rising interest rates. The deficit spending by the government's also been a key factor. How has this fiscal policy influenced interest rates, and what are the implications?
1: You know, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a big topic. And, you know, the, thankfully, the U.S. has a huge capacity to borrow because we're the reserve currency of the world and continue to be. And hopefully that remains that way. Um, that's a, a, a definitely a good place to be in. And our economy is very strong and, and stable uh, relative to the rest of the world. But, you know, this persistent deficit spending by the U.S. government def- significantly impacted the supply side of the interest rate equation. Um, if you think about how they've done that, if, if you need to, to spend more than you have, uh, think about a consumer, you need to borrow money. Well, what does the government do? They issue treasury debt to finance its operations, to finance that, that deficit, and that creates a substantial supply of these treasury securities that they need investors to purchase um, to you know, essentially lend the government money to spend. So the Federal Reserve, previously a major buyer of those securities through programs like the Quantitative Easing Program, um, has ceased those purchases and is actually unwinding their balance sheet. So you, people may have, have heard that is is happening. Uh, and that leads to an increase in supply and con- consequently higher interest rates to attract new investors. So just as there's supply-demand dynamics for goods and services. There's also a supply and demand dynamics for U.S. Treasury debt. Uh, and that has an impact on where interest rates sit. So it's, it's a multifaceted, uh, complex and interesting challenge. But, uh, you know, we're, we're definitely navigating our way through it. And the trend seems to be moving in the right direction.
0: The economic repercussions of these rising interest rates are critical. Could you shed some light on the potential economic scenarios that might unfold due to this interest rate environment?
1: Absolutely, Wayne. And and the impact of rising rates uh, can take various forms for sure. Uh, It it could lead to, you know, kind of continued slow growth or a muddling economy, or uh, potentially a mild recession or even a deeper recession. And At Waysale and Zahansky, through our investment committee, uh, we foresee the U.S. economy kind of narrowing uh, the range of of potential options, either for the U.S. economy to muddle through with some slow growth uh, and and uneven growth or possibly entering a mild recession. So our strategic process remains flexible, uh, ensuring that we adapt to evolving economic forces and, and make timely adjustments to our clients' portfolios in response to that.
0: And thanks in part to the inability of Congress to get anything done, we're only a couple of weeks away from a potential another government shutdown. What's the impact of a potential government shutdown on the market and on interest rates?
1: you know it, it typically those are usually short term uh, in in nature and don't have any lasting impact, but they are highly uh, disruptive to uh, to investor psyche. So you do usually do see some heightened market volatility. Um, you know, if you think about kind of government policy as a whole and the fact that we have a divided Congress, uh, and you know they don't seem to be coming to consensus on on much, if anything. Um, as an investor, as a business owner, as uh, an employer, you you want certainty of policy, you want predictability, you want to be able to look out multiple years and say, I know the environment is going to be X. So I can plan and make investments and buy machines or invest in properties or hire people, because I know what that environment is going to look like. And when you look at the federal government, in addition to various state policies, you know, when policy is in flux, it leads to uncertainty. And thus, it means that investors are less certain of the future. And that's what you see with a lot of volatility. You know, layer in the Federal Reserve policy, they've been pretty clear with what they're doing. Um, it's just really a question of when is the rate environment going to stop uh, rising uh, and kind of stabilize, which, which could lead to some really interesting opportunities uh, based on where rates are now and, and where they could go in the future.
0: And as we discuss the pros and cons of rising interest rates, let's just take a typical investor at Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky, and they have their portfolio. They got their diversified portfolio. They got their stocks. They got their bonds. They got their domestic. They got their international, that kind of stuff. And then, they didn't do it yesterday, but the Fed increases interest rates. Does that have any direct or indirect impact on people's portfolios assuming that they're not even touching it they're just leaving it right there where it's been
1: well this is one thing i know for sure the market the the, the portfolio is going to go up or it's going to go down <laughs> so i you know the, the direction is is really uh dependent on um you know really what not just fed uh rhetoric is or or their actions may be um, but also, you know, some other factors, corporate profits, you know, our earnings coming in. We've, we've seen that over the last few weeks uh, impacting markets, um, our geopolitical issues causing things. And I think, you know, when we look at allocating assets for clients, we take a long term strategic look. So there's a lot of noise continuously in the market. If you looked at historical events, um, either made even major ones, wars. You know, assassinations of, of of world leaders, those kinds of things, that uh, pandemics um, that have shocked the market and the economy. You know, when you take a, a wide enough view, those are blips on a on a mountain of of you know growth. So it's it's really important to uh, filter out the noise in the short term and align your portfolio strategy to, you know, your long term goals, which is which is what we remain focused on. So um, it's definitely, you know, like I said, it's going to go up or it's going to go down. We're, we're fortunate the last couple of days it's gone up, um, but tomorrow it could go down. And, and uh, we, we don't put a lot of credence into the day to day moves of the markets. So we look a lot more at longer term trends.
0: And I'm a big believer in paper losses. Despite all the fluctuations of the market through whatever reason, if you leave your money there and don't take it out, it won't have an immediate short-term effect on you. It's the people that are going to try to take it out for some reason. They're the ones who run the potential risk of, of losing money. What's your thoughts on quote-unquote paper losses?
1: You know, it's. Um, I think you're right. Wayne, in the fact that you know when you see losses on a statement, that you're not realizing those losses uh, unless you sell. So you know that that kind of leads right into what you were were saying. However, um, there's some interesting things you can do if if you really look at things from a strategic standpoint. If you have a loss in an investment, and I think we've talked about this a little bit in some prior shows, is if you have a loss in an investment, and there's a comparable investment that essentially does the same thing, plays the same role in the portfolio, you can potentially, if it's in a taxable account, take that loss so realize that loss, buy at the same time another investment that's nearly identical, and use that tax loss to offset some gains or potentially lower your ordinary income. So there's some really uh, interesting strategic things you can you can factor in, and and that's what we do all the time is look at how we can maximize client outcome um, not just through investments but through an overall strategic approach to looking at taxes and um, you know policy and and you know retirement income and and so forth
0: man knows his stuff good answers from lawrence hale but here's the question of the day you know your stuff but did you see the texas rangers winning the world series
1: you know, the Red Sox weren't in it, so I didn't pay a lot of attention. I, I, I hate to say, and, and I'm not a baseball uh, buff, but I, I did hear it at about 6 o'clock this morning on the radio. So,
0: Well, you know, the best part, it means that basketball season is around the corner.
1: Right, that, and hockey. We can't forget hockey. All right, Lawrence,
0: awesome stuff today. Thanks for your valuable insights and for joining me today.
1: Oh, Always a pleasure, Wade.
0: Absolutely. And to our listeners, remember – That informed decisions are key to navigating the ever-changing economic landscape. If you seek guidance or wish to discuss your financial strategy, don't hesitate to reach out to Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky Strategic Financial Advisors. Visit the website, whzwealth.com, or call them at 860-928-2341 to schedule a complimentary consultation. Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky Strategic Wealth Advisors offer securities and advisory services through Commonwealth Financial Network, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Fixed insurance products and services offered through CES Insurance Agency. They practice at 697 Pomfret Street, Pomfret Center, 06259, and at 392A Merrow Road in Tolland, 06084. They can be reached at 860 860- Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky Strategic Wealth Advisors do not provide legal or tax advice. The tenured financial services team strives to support clients in achieving their financial life goals. For more information regarding wealth management and customized financial planning with Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky Strategic Wealth Advisors, please visit whzwealth.com.